Welcome to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. I am one of your hosts on this adventure, Matt DeWolf. This episode is sponsored by Williams & Williams Real Estate Auctions. They're auctioning off car washes in Arkansas and Texas between July 6th and July 10th. For more information, visit williamsauction.com slash autowash. Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, beat off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey, David Begin of Begin Insights. Hello, Car Wash Nation. This is David Begin, and welcome to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I got a special guest with me, Bob Klein, who's the Chief Strategy Officer of Blue Chip Marketing, located in Chicago, I guess. Is that correct, Bob? Is that yeah, absolutely, David. Absolutely. Yeah. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, Bob's going to talk about the recently released Consumer Wash Study for 2019. And Bob, you've been with Blue Chip quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, I have, David. I joined the company back in 2006, so I'm in my 14th year, and um, I've worked at several other places, uh, but this has been the pinnacle of my my career. That's great. It's, it's good when you find a place you like working and uh, and you like to say that, so that's great. Yeah, love it. Can you give us some idea of what Blue Chip does besides the Car Wash Consumer Study, if you want to just talk about your company in general? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be brief, but uh, we're an independent marketing communications company. We're located in Chicago. We have offices in Northbrook as well. And we have offices around the country and several outposts around the world. Um, we're very proud of the fact that we're privately held. We don't answer to Wall Street or outside investors. It's a closely held company with five owners who are active in the business, very active in the business. We focus in two areas of industry, brand and retail marketing. And we also have a healthcare division called Continuum Clinical that focuses on clinical trial research, patient recruitment and retention. But in the world of brand and retail marketing, in addition to the privilege of serving the uh, Car Wash Association, we work with companies like Procter & Gamble, uh, Brown & Foreman, uh, major retailers, uh, Fisher Nuts, John B. Sanfilippo and Company, uh, many, many others. So we have a wonderful list of uh, client partners uh, that we uh, that we help. And uh, uh, personally, my association with the car wash industry has and the ICA has been just a a truly cherished relationship. No, it's been great. Yeah, and you've been associated with the ICA. You've worked with the ICA since 2011. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Um, so the the consumer wash study you were telling me earlier has been done, has been uh, executed since 1996. Has Blue Chip been involved in all that time? No, we haven't had that uh, that good fortune. I wish we had. Um, the ICA started the study, as you just said, David, back in 1996. It's been a longitudinal study conducted every three years since '96. But in 2011, uh, we became a partner of, of the ICA, and we started working on a variety of different primary market research initiatives to help the association with optimization of different programs. 
And uh, we began conducting the annual uh, U.S. survey. And as you and I were talking earlier, it's expanded now, not just in the United States, but now we have conducted studies in, uh, in Europe and also our first study in Australia just over a year ago. Yeah, so that's been interesting data. I was the ICA board president that I was telling you, Bob, back in 2017. I think that was the first year the European study was was uh, created. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was interesting comparing the U.S. to Europe in terms of their preferences and what they like and what they don't like. Uh, very, very interesting. And I think, you know, the members that were able to look at that consumer study saw some of the differences in what U.S consumers like versus European consumers. And, yeah, it has, uh, has tremendous value, David. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, would, when, was the, when was the Australian study done? Was that done in 2018? I'm not... It was. Okay. Okay. Did you see much difference between Australian uh, consumer behavior and habits and U.S.? There was a greater similarity between um, Australia and the United States than perhaps in uh, in Europe, but as I'm sure we'll talk about during our conversation here, uh, there is a love of washing uh, in the United States that uh, really distinguishes itself. People yeah. love a clean car. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So, was the study different when you started in 2011? How's the study grown in terms of the type of data you gather? I know you've come up with some great things this year in terms of looking at regional. Uh, regional areas as well as the the national area, and you also divided up by car wash type, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think that is new. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Though we we have provided the the we've provided those data in the past. Okay. Okay. So, has the regional studies are those new or are those been 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 around for a while? Uh, the regional studies we have also done, but in this past uh, study, we expanded and isolated six different regions of the United States, whereas we used to only have five. So there's a bit more granularity. And this was something that was in response to feedback that we received from owners and operators. Okay. Well, good. Good. So has the way you collect data changed over the years? Yeah, it's a it's a really important point, David. Uh, if you go back in time to the very origins, there's always been a fundamental, a foundational consistency in the study that is the questionnaire that consumers are asked to respond to. And over the years, probably the biggest change is that we've evolved from a combination of utilizing mail surveys to being able to conduct the research. 100% online. There's all sorts of benefits to that. Mm-hmm. But sticking to the uh, the core issue of what have we asked consumers over the course of those years, there has been consistency. And it's really, really important because in order to track and understand changes and evolutions in behaviors, in feelings and thoughts and emotions, Having consistent questions is critical to being able to look at these longitudinal changes in what's going on with car wash consumers. And that means both those that wash at a professional wash and those that wash uh, predominantly at home, the DIYers. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, one of the really great things that happened in this year's study is, or the 2019 study, I should say is that Claire Moore and a um, 
wonderful group of owner operators who consulted with Claire and the ICA team and myself, we expanded to really dig into some critical new areas of importance to drive business growth in the future. Perhaps none more important than frequent wash programs, subscription programs. Mm -hmm. So the study does evolve, David, over the years, but it maintains a certain bedrock consistency so that we can understand how things are the same and how things are changing over time, again, in terms of consumer behaviors, consumer attitudes. Yeah, so if if you want to change a question, I, I can imagine the, the consternation you must go through if somebody's, you know, you have these list of questions you typically ask and somebody wants to change the wording in a question. Can even changing the wording within the same question cause you problems when you're gathering this data? Oh my, yes. And it depends on the nature of the change, but in the world of market research, the discipline that is best applied is if you have a longitudinal question that you are asking, if you want to see how your data evolves over time, you don't change the question. The okay. leadership at the ICA, I think members can, can really uh, rest well. I'm not suggesting that market research keeps them awake at night, <laughs> but they can rest well knowing that the leadership of the ICA has always understood this. In fact, has always been the staunch defendant, if you will, of maintaining that consistency. However, the ability to add new questions, to evolve questions, to eliminate questions that over time become irrelevant or non-actionable, we do those things. Mm -hmm. The fundamental questions about wash frequency, about the kinds of added value services that consumers are interested, willing to pay more for, these are questions um, of great consistency. Hey, this is David Begin. I'm going to interrupt this podcast for just a second and tell you about Williams and Williams Auctioneers. They're a leading real estate auction company for all types of real estate. And between July 6th through July 10th, Williams and Williams will auction six car washes located in Bentonville, Fayetteville, Heber Springs, and Jonesboro, Arkansas, as well as two car washes in Abilene and Amarillo, Texas. Auctions are open to the public with no registration fee to bid. Visit williamsauction.com forward slash auto wash or call 800-801-8003 for more information. Again, go to their website, williamsauction.com forward slash auto wash or call 800-801-8003. Yeah, no, I, I think that is super important. I know when I was on the ICA board and I was talking to some friends who also contributed, I think, to the 2017 or 2016 study, would that have been the, the, the recent one before 2019? That's correct. Yeah, so... You know, going through those nuances on how questions are asked is, is obviously a big, huge debate. And I can see the benefit of making sure that you keep those questions consistent so you get consistent answers. And that's what everybody's hoping for as they look at that long-term view of, of what the data is doing. Yeah, that's uh, right. And, and just if you don't mind, a special shout out to, to both Eric Wolf and to Claire Moore. What we've done each year... Uh, over the last, well, with the OUS studies that we've done in Europe and Australia, and also the um, the past two U.S. consumer studies, uh, there's been this group of of uh, car wash members 
some of them are board members, some are not, uh, who have convened with us and given us a day of their time to optimize the survey going forward. So in this year's study, it was Mandy Brower, Sally Grant, Wade Perry, and Jim Rooney, who were part of that focus group that we conducted here in Chicago. And the outcome of that research, of that, uh, of that group discussion, is what really helped us to optimize this year's study. Yeah. No, I think or 2019. I keep saying this year. Maybe I wish it was still 2000. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we would all like to go back in the way back machine and start over, start at January 1st, 2020, and try to make this whole thing a little different. But I guess never if we wanted to do over more. <laughs> That's right. No doubt. No doubt. So, um, you know, and I'm, I, you know, we talked about regional. So you were telling me earlier that you went from five regions to six or four regions to five. We went from five to six. Okay. Five to six. And so it gives people a little bit more, you know, granularity on their data. When you analyze the data, we're not going to get into the regional data. I think we're just going to give some highlights of the national data, but uh, did you see anything that was super interesting? Did you see some wide variations between regions and certain, certain, uh, responses? Well, you know, the, 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 there are many answers to that question because there are many differences. But if you so fundamentally think about the regional differences in the United States, never mind the seasonality and the issues of different times of years and different frequency of washing and different concerns that would exist, for example, up here in the Midwest or up in the Northeast, due to the winter months versus what's going on down in the southern states or the western states. You're talking about apples and oranges and understanding what's going on in each of those areas. There is really critical insight in our sub-analyses of these regions, just like there is great granularity and differences between different types of car washes. Different different types of professional washes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is a there there is a, a considerable amount of difference. And by the way, when we went to the six regions, we also increased our sample size because stability of data is very important. So the ICA invested in a larger sample this year. We have three hundred car wash users, either uh, do-it-yourselfers or professional wash users. Mm-hmm. Got a sample size of eighteen hundred consumers. It's a huge panel, and it allows us to look at statistically stable, reliable data between regions, between wash types, et cetera. Um, And this gets perhaps too complicated for a a podcast because you kind of have to see this on paper. But our ability to segment the data is almost endless. We can look at so many different sub-segments of the industry. In fact, one of the offerings that uh, that Claire Moore has made available this year is the opportunity for uh, owners, operators, um, industry partners to be able to purchase custom reports where we can isolate very specific segments to look at, be that region, be that wash type, be that sub-segmenting and look at looking at differences by age, differences by gender. Um, all different sorts of things we can look at, David. The, the, the data is rich, and it's there for the taking uh, for, the, uh, for the industry, for its members. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, they've done such a great job, and um, it's great to have access to all those different 
types of data. So if you're in the full surf business and you think you want to open an exterior express, you can get some real good information on how that's doing. If you want to see how your full service car wash is doing, you know, you can compare that against what maybe an exterior express can do. You know, the, the data is very, very rich. And I think it's super exciting that the member, you know, people now have access to this. So thanks to you and your team for that. Um, one question, two, two questions. Where do you get your, your respondents? So how do you, how do you find respondents to fill out the information for the consumer wash study? Yeah. Folks that may actually, who are listening in on the podcast, may be part of some of these panels, but there's a tremendous interest and thirst among people around the world, certainly millions in America, who are interested in offering their opinion. So these people, uh, on an opt-in basis, join different panels. The panel that we used for this particular study is an opt-in panel of respondents that totals in excess of 5 million Americans. So you get some idea just from this one company how much interest there is in survey taking. Now, there is remuneration, compensation for taking the survey. People will, for taking the survey, they'll earn, if you will, frequent flyer points or whatever the, the, the currency du jour is for that particular panel. But they are rewarded for taking the survey. But, you know, you, you have to, we have to recognize that the length of this survey, which is a little over 20 minutes long, uh, it's not all about the money. They really want to share their opinion. And the thoughtfulness and thoroughness of the responses that we got, and by the way, I would also add, uh, our quality control is, um, is airtight. We look for fraudulent respondents, et cetera, to make sure that those panelists who are participating, who have opted in to take our survey, are legitimate quality respondents. So, uh, yeah, that's the source of, uh, of the respondents. Okay, so you brought up another question there for me. What, what would be an example of a fraudulent response? What would, I mean, why, how do people get into this that might be fraudulent? Yeah, the, um, the classic example is called straight lining. Okay. So uh, if you think about it, you want to get through the survey as fast as you possibly can so that you can get your uh, points your frequent oh, points, okay. your hotel points. Okay. We, have, um, we have methodology. We have uh, a back-end uh, data system that does a couple of different things. Uh, if the respondent takes the survey too fast, they get disqualified. If the respondent selects consecutive uh, answers that select the same button in a closed-end question, they will get eliminated. If there's just a random pattern of how they answer, they get eliminated. And then we have, uh, we refer to them as open-end questions, questions which don't have specific answers. The respondent is asked to uh, provide a brief answer to the question, to write something out, to type it out, if you will. And in that case, we look for garbage answers. You know, okay. the, the one who types in I-T-T-F-F-F-G-G-G or... Um, uses some salty language. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're not interested in what they have to say. <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there, there, there are ways of kind of weeding out people that are not interested in really answering. There are, there are many. And quality control is one of the biggest issues in the world of online market research today. Okay. It's a real challenge. And you got to be careful. And you got to make sure that, that your respondents 
and the quality of the responses that you have confidence in them. Can I say it's a hundred percent? You never, no one could ever say that. Right. Um, but is it, is it um, well vetted to say the least? Yeah. Good. Good. So here's another question that I have because we kind of got into a lot, little bit of a debate with some of my car wash colleagues on some of the information in here. And it goes to this whole idea of self-reporting. Do people report what they, I mean, so the question is, can people report what they actually do or do they report what they think they actually do? And is there a difference? Yeah, there's a, there's a difference. It's a great point, David. And um, look, when you're doing a longitudinal survey and you're asking people to think about the past year and how many times on average per month they washed, that's a difficult question to answer. It's not perfect. That's the simple fact. But it is directional. And because we ask the question the same way each time we field the survey, we have that same margin of error in our past studies. And what it yields us is a lot of very consistent information that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but it also helps guide us to changes. I mean, for example, the number of folks who said that they washed the car themselves in 2019. And we saw real changes in that, and they made sense when we aligned it with other data. But look, nothing replaces, if you will, the the term is used, daily diary. You know, a way of tracking, if you could ask people 365 days a year, to tell us if they washed their car on that day, and then we could ask them a whole battery of questions, that would be the most reliable data of all. Right. That's not affordable. Right. That's an expensive proposition. Now, there, there are some consumer surveys that do that, right? Where people, even the old Nielsen studies, when I was a kid, when they, for, for, for TV to see what people were watching on their TV, Sometimes that was self-reporting. Sometimes that was hooked up to a, a, a set top on a TV. But, uh, but, but there, there has been consumer studies that have done where people just are paid and probably paid quite a bit of money to, to keep diaries. Oh, you're absolutely right. And your example is a perfect one. Everyone's familiar with Nielsen ratings. You know, we've all, you know, as, as consumers, as viewers, been exposed to them over the years. But years ago, it was the same dilemma that you just raised, David, which is, you know, self-reporting and with what frequency. But today, it's done electronically. They're not guessing at how many people are watching a particular show. They've got the data. Right. Our study, um, again, I would say nothing's perfect in the world of self-reporting. It's just not. It. But when, you look, but when you look at the studies over time, excuse me, when you look at the studies over time, you can clearly see that there are patterns and trends. Okay, so the data might be inconsistent, but it's managed consistently. Is that a good way to put it? Well, yeah, that's not unfair. I mean, the data is absolutely managed consistently. And by managing it consistently, again, back to your very first question about how the survey is designed and do questions change, et cetera, by maintaining that discipline of consistent formulation of the question, presentation of the question, we provide the greatest control possible over that. So we feel in- incredibly, incredibly positive 
about the quality of those data. And any member could go back and look at past reports and they'll see what I'm, you know, they'll understand the point that I'm making. No, agreed. Yeah. Okay, good. I think that's helpful for our audience to kind of get a better idea of how it's put together. Yeah, not perfect. Not perfect, but darn good. <laughs> but darn good. And that's that's good. That then that's uh that's a lot better than any of us can do. Bob, I think this is going to be a good stopping point for this episode. Let's uh so we kind of got a good idea of what the consumer study is about. I would say maybe on the next episode, let's dive into the study and look at some highlights if that sounds good to you. Sounds great. Okay. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Car Wash, the podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. You can get this particular podcast on the carwash.org website. Go to the Car Wash magazine and look under podcasts or go anywhere you get podcasts. So for this episode of Car Wash, the podcast, this is David Begin. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. A special thanks to sponsors Williams and Williams Real Estate Auctions. They're auctioning off car washes in Arkansas and Texas between July 6th and July 10th. For more information, visit williamsauction.com slash autowash. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry. Tips from successful industry leaders and inspiration for our listeners.